0: So, obviously, with Star Trek Picard, there's a lot to talk about. We have old and new characters. We have the setting. We have the plot. We have the symbolism. We have the meaning. But the first thing I want to ask you, Richard, having seen the entire series, are they going to go back for number one?
1: You know, I, 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 He was the only character that I really liked out of this show. Um, no, that's not fair to say. Uh, he could have been on the journey. <laughs> Wasn't there a dog on Enterprise?
0: There was a dog on Enterprise Porthos who you never met, but he is a wonderful dog, actually played by a female. Aww. I don't know if number one, I think number one was actually played by a male. But yeah, I you know, I I joke, but I do I do like number one a lot. I think that actually talking about number one might be a good way to okay. start talking about this entire season of television because it it at once strikes me as the type of thing that Picard of the TNG era would never have had. I mean, I cannot picture Picard in 2370 having a dog, Um, certainly not naming his dog. Number one. I mean, that's pretty maudlin even for someone who's maudlin and I've seen a lot of criticism online of the way that Picard is written and handled in this series. And I'm sure that we will get to some of that, but to me I think that the existence of number 1 was their way of showing exactly how much Picard has changed in the 20 years since we've seen him.
1: I think that's fair. Um I can certainly, you know, I I I've seen a lot oh, this is never Picard. Picard wouldn't, you know, not that's this is not the show is not about Picard. It's because I even though I didn't like it I would not say that about it. I wouldn't say that this is not Picard. Um I think it's Yeah, and I and I
0: think that not to cut you off, but I think that we should be clear up front that I I fucking love this show Yeah, and you do not. And, and I think that that's going to be a very interesting conversation to have, but I wanted to get that out front for all the listeners.
1: Yeah, a- 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 and it's more of a case of okay, I guess Picard can fit this storyline, but you know something a different character would have fit it a little better. Sure. I guess Picard would get a dog named number one, but you know something? I I mean, to me, that was even... I was surprised to find out that Riker was still alive based on the fact that Picard has a dog named after him. Um, Mm -hmm. There is a lot of questions or concerns that I had based on the fact that characters are still alive. Like, for example, why the hell were were, uh, Troy and Riker not front and center during the Romulan evacuation? Questions like that. Um, I'm going to have a lot of those kind of questions with this show because it, I feel like it took a, to say it took a fast and loose view of canon gives a very different kind of criticism than I normally give um but it's one that certainly ignores a lot of inconvenient things because it's easier in service of the
0: plot i you know i that's let's unpack that a little bit because i actually don't agree with that and the thing that i find Kind of confusing about a lot of the criticisms of this show, and I understand a lot of the criticisms, but I don't understand all of them because, you know, I I rewatched this show over the past few days. You you did not, of yeah. course, um, which you know, totally fine. I just wanted to rewatch it because I love it, and I I get some of those criticisms. I get, like, for example, let's take the Riker and Troy thing. Why were they not forefront? Yeah, in the, in the Romulan evacuation. Well, if you look at what was established in the show, the Romulan evacuation would have been taking place about 14 years ago, and they had a four-year-old son who was who was like ill, apparently. So to me, that makes sense. Okay, like, where was George? I don't necessarily... But where was
1: Dr. Crusher during this time?
0: Yeah, and I think that And where that was Geordi during is... this
1: time, and where was like, I have, you know, it, that is fair to say, and, you know, they have a kid who's ill, and... I thought it was suggested that that was around the time he died. I didn't quite get that timeline, but fine. But again, there's all of these other characters that I have the same exact question. Picard is going to pull in every favor he can on this one, and all we see is a woman we've never met before working on this with him. And when it goes south, she's fired, and that's the only string he has to pull.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, there's Cassidy Yates in this.
1: I mean, you know, isn't she going to help us? You know, isn't she going to get some ships at this point? Like, we have all these characters in the canon.
0: Yeah, I think that in some respects, I think that this is just going to come down to a fundamental uh, uh, conversation about what they were trying to do with this show and how they were trying to do it. Because. To me, I hear all those criticisms and I understand it, right? Like, yeah. okay, apparently there's, like, novels and, like, comic books and stuff that explain, like, where Jordy was and things. I really don't care about any of that, you know? Like, that's all ancillary material to me, and I may get around to reading them at some yeah. point, but it's not really something that is is top of mind for me. And I think that if you if you look at where everybody was at the end of Nemesis, right? Like, everybody was still on the ship except for um, Riker and Troy, who obviously Riker was becoming captain of the Titan and they were leaving. And, uh, data was, was dead, of course. Um, you know, Crusher was still sticking around. Jordi was still sticking around. Worf was still sticking around. Picard was still sticking around. And I, I think that in some respects, uh, uh, you, you can make an argument that they, they should have brought in, Crusher, for example, right? Because I think that that is an open question. Where yeah. is she? What is she doing? Uh, Worf, is know, it these he, are characters. Isn't Worf buddy well, buddy with the Chancellor know,
1: right now? Can't we get the Klingon fleet too? I mean, these are. <laughs> Sorry, continue.
0: Yeah, no, I think, and I think that what you're seeing here is I don't I don't really have an issue with the setup of the show whatsoever. I think that in a certain way, um, I think it would have been less interesting to just basically make a modern serialized version of TNG because I don't want to see those characters in that kind of show. I I don't necessarily want to see Geordi and Worf and all those characters. I mean, you know, it it would have gotten to the point for me as like Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, where all of these characters are like in their 60s and they're all still doing exactly the same thing except for uh, Sulu, of course, who's captain of his own ship by that point and and you know i just i just don't know that that really would make any sense i think that one of the things about this show and I think you see that very clearly in the structure of most of the episodes, which start out with some sort of flashback. You know, we have a mm-hmm. flashback to uh, uh, the synth revolt on Mars. We have a flashback to O and, uh, you know, talking to gerardi to We have a flashback to Rafi and Picard at, this, at the pivotal moment when Picard goes yeah, yeah. to Starfleet Command and tries to convince them to continue uh, the evacuation. We have a, a flashback to, to little Elnor, for example. Um, this is a show that is really about the ways in which people are haunted by the past and how they're trying to atone for it. And, well, frankly, I don't, I don't think that any of the TNG characters would really have anything haunting them in their past. Well, this is where I go from my
1: point of, I think this show with a completely different character who is, you know, maybe in some ways a stand-in for Picard, somebody who was a very prominent captain, but because... We do know Picard's past. We know two of Picard's pasts already. The stuff on the Stargazer and we know the stuff on the Enterprise. And the baggage of neither is... And we have to have a complete third past for him in this. Um, it just seems like... I don't know. On the one hand, people do live a lot of lives, right? Like, But at the same time, the ending of All Good Things lens on we are family we are stronger together and even though we'll be in different situations you know we're going to still when we need each other we'll be together because we have made ourselves and and that's great he's at by the point of picard he's forgotten that with two groups of people and i don't think the show uh, necessarily acknowledges the degree to which picard just by Here's where I think we edge up to. This isn't Picard because would the Picard at the end of All Good Things forget that lesson twice?
0: I, I mean, I think I I I hear what you're saying, and I I don't necessarily disagree with it, but I think at the same time, uh, there is a fundamental. You just got to go with this is the show that they wanted to make. Yeah, and and I think that that a Picard who is older, a Picard who I mean, let's 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 frame this appropriately, right? Picard. Um, was captain of the Stargazer for something like 20 years. He was captain of the Stargazer for a fucking long time, yeah. which I didn't even realize until I looked up the history at watching Star Trek Picard, because, of course, we do finally meet someone from the Stargazer, the, the doctor who informs him that his, you know, aerobatic yeah, yeah, syndrome, yeah. brain abnormality is, is, is still there and is probably going to kill him sooner rather than later, which, of course, we, we all knew from all good things. Yes. And... So so the oh, Picard has already had um a very 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 long command of a starship and we have never met any of those characters. That's fair. Then we have Picard who uh obviously we know the TNG cast the best. He ha- he was with them for something like I think 10 15 years. Um, Nemesis took place I believe in 2379. And Encounter at Farpoint takes place in 2364, I believe. So you're looking at a 15-year span of time, which is about as long as he was Captain of the Stargazer. So that's his second set of people. And and then you have the Romulan uh, supernova happen, and you have this devastating event. Picard uh, obviously is the type of person who would have gone to bat to rescue the Romulans, as we see in the show, and decided to leave the Enterprise because he felt like he couldn't do that work from the Enterprise. That was not the Enterprise's mission. He wanted to be on Earth to uh, help to, uh, uh, you know, help to organize the relief effort. And so to me, I think that if you look at that and you say, here's a man who... Is is as Riker says in the last episode of this uh, uh, series, or, or no? I think he says it in Nepenthe, Is that this is one of the finest captains the Starfleet has ever produced? He is one of the great men of of this era of the Federation, and the Federation has completely, you know, discarded him. You know, at, at the point that he uh, uh, resigns and they accept his resignation, I think he's you know something like eighty four years old. I mean, this is not a young man and to me i think that there's something very they're very moving and very profound about that the ways in which people get old and change and and get brittle but also uh, uh you know more but, but also get stronger in a way well, and you know i think that like it, it's just I, I think it's just a fundamental like are you going to buy this or not kind of thing
1: and see there is i can dig all of that um i I wish the sh- – I don't feel like the show uh, – I, I don't have any organized criticisms about this. A lot is kind of touching on it. But I don't feel like the show is, is confident enough to actually critique that in Picard where it needs to be. It is not sure whether it's in awe of him or whether there's a problem with him. Because, frankly, the admiral that he spars with throughout, um, I completely agree with her. He goes in saying, "I need to do this, and I'm going to resign." I agree with her too. I, I, yeah, I shut the fuck up. Picard was one of my favorite moments of the show. Troy dressing him down after he, you know, demands Uh Soji, you know, fall in line by saying, "Like, listen, she's traumatized. Like, what are you doing?" Like, these are. I loved those moments of the show. I wish the show had gone a little further because I think the show still thinks oh but then a still little nicer version of Picard is al- is always needed. You know, we do really need the eminent old white dude to stay forever because he's the only Yeah, th- I
0: th- that's really what See, th- I don't it wavered. I, I don't I mean Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that, though, because I I do think that, you know, this is a Picard. The last time that we see Picard is at the end of Nemesis, and Data has just died. Yes. And B4, uh, you know, is in the ready room, and he's singing or whatever, you know, humming uh, the song. And um, it's, for me... This is a man who has always had trouble expressing emotion. He obviously cares about people, but he he doesn't he's never able to really to really show that. And I think that that's what's so interesting about this is that symbolically having a lot of the TNG characters in this would have undercut that because they would have been able to to sort of like dress him down as you say Troy did and really get at the heart of the matter in a way that I don't think the show wanted to do, you know, the, the point of this is really like, I think Picard is devastated by the death of data and, and whether Mm -hmm. or not you, you buy his depth of feeling for data or not is an open question, we can certainly have a conversation about that. I, I do. I did too. Yeah. But I, yeah. And I, and I think that, you know, if nothing else, I think that this series gave data the death that he deserved. I mean, I, I think that the final five minutes of of the last episode of this of the first season are just. I mean, I you know I, I bow down to Michael Cheban and say thank you for writing that because it was so much better than what we got in Nemesis. But
1: yeah, but it, it, and then I feel they immediately undermine Data's own death by not giving it to Picard. You know, that's that. Well, you have this beautiful thing of you know so, I mean this it offends me the ending offended me as an existentialist frankly because um <laughs> you know you have this uh,
0: track about his back baby
1: <laughs> <laughs> um you have this beautiful scene about how I, I I mean this is a let's go into spoilers for the good place for a moment you've seen the ending right I I have yes skip ahead listeners uh, if you haven't but ultimately going with the idea of. <sighs> Okay, there is a quote from Sartre, um, everybody dies too soon or too late, you know, you're either Mm going to die with unfinished business, die young, and it's going to be sad and tragic and you were not able to sort yourself up, or you're going to be, you know, 95 in a nursing home, just your mind's gone, just still hanging on, and that's tragic too, like, it doesn't matter. Everybody's going to go one of those two ways. There is no such thing as the perfect
0: time to die. Or, I mean, you know, this just makes me think of, of you know, Rios and, and Agnes' conversation in the beginning of the third episode of the series, uh, when, uh, or the fourth episode of the series, when, um, you know, she goes to the bridge and, and he's sitting there reading his book. Uh, uh, and, and she's like, what are you reading? And he's like, it's about the existential uh, uh, pain of living with the consciousness of death.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the good place needs heaven to be the way that you, the only place that you're able to organize yourself before non-existence. And, uh, so data gives this beautiful thing about, you know, something you need, you know, you need to accept death when it happens and it's, it's going to happen to all of us. And that is what makes us human. That is what makes life precious. The fact that you can't organize it all to your leisure the fact that most people do not get that luxury and but you know something picard you get that luxury here's a robot body it just it it it, it undercut that point i mean the 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 well, it, it undercut that point and uh, and especially because i think the sh- You talk about what the show wanted to be. I feel like the show needed to be about how the older generation cannot live forever, cannot always be in charge. Eventually, it's not going to make the best decisions. It's not going to be in the best state. Eventually, it needs to make room for the new generation and... Uh, It needs the next generation. Yeah, exactly. Um, No, I mean, it's it, it needs to make room for the next generation. It can have an advisory role. Hopefully it should. You know, age has wisdom and it can pass some of that on. But ultimately, it's the next generation's time to make its own mistakes and make its own decisions and live its life. But not yet, because Picard's still here. And I know there are multiple seasons of this show planned. And we don't know where, you know, the th- final season is going to go. I would assume a little further to that. But I don't know. It just, Robot Body well, just I'm, bothered me.
0: Well, two two thoughts about that. Number one, I, I will challenge you because I, I do necessarily, I don't agree with that criticism. I sure. don't think the show is, is a generational, um, you know, fight. And I think that, uh, but at the same time, if you want the show to uh, make the argument that the older generation needs to step aside for the younger generation. Well, that's exactly what they did because all of the characters that are on the La Serena or I shouldn't say the La Serena because La means the uh <laughs> hmm. La Serena uh, are the younger generation and and having the next generation crew just hanging around for some reason would have would have undercut that message. But I also but I also want to get let's get right into the let's get right into the meat of this, which is let's talk about Jewish mysticism and mythology. All right. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how much you know about the uh, uh, mythology of the Golem.
1: Uh Well, right now I'm playing uh, Final Fantasy VII and there's Sephiroth,
0: so that's like all about it, right? <laughs> uh, I don't remember Final Fantasy VII, so I can't really say or not. But
1: Oh, what about M- Madonna liked it too?
0: Madonna, Yeah, well, Madonna liked Kabbalah, which is a separate thing. But she might have liked Final Fantasy VII. She might be playing it right now. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Um, no, I, I want to, I do think this is a really important point because yeah, yeah. I think that a lot of people, including you, frankly, are misunderstanding the ending of this, of this, uh, season of television that Picard is old, right? Picard is dying. He has this, um, he was a man who was vibrant, who was the best that Starfleet and the Federation, uh, ever put forth that he feels that Starfleet, uh, betrayed the Romulans by abandoning them in their hour of need. And there is a practical criticism of that, like you said, where you agree with the Admiral, right? Like, I agree with her, too. I think that, you know, and I don't agree with the criticisms of this show that it was grimdark or anything like that. I mean, I think that if you watch the the series in its entirety, I don't know how you could possibly come away with that. I mean... There are multiple speeches that Picard gives where he's talking about we need optimism and we need hope and we need to work together. And, you know, this is why we take care of each other. So you can take care of me and I can take care of you. I mean, this is Star Trek to its core. Yeah, but there's also
1: um, Seven of Nine getting the last word. Picard thinks this is a universe with still with mercy. We both know that it's not. And, you know, she survives that encounter.
0: Well, I, I mean... She learns you know, yet wanna... again... Oh, I
1: shouldn't, you know, just kill the person that I feel. You know, I mean, that was her arc in uh, Voyager a lot of times with uh, Leland Palmer in that one. In that one, well, I,
0: yeah, I agree with you, and I, I definitely want to talk about Seven of Nine, but let's let's put a pin in that for, yeah, for yeah. just a moment. Um, I want to go back to the end, and I want to go back yes. specifically to uh, Picard as an android now, and I want to go back to the point of. They call this android a golem, right? This is, in Jewish mythology, and I've been studying Jewish mythology for for a little while now, and the golem is sent, and this is something that Michael Chabon has written about before. Yes. I'm currently rereading The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay, which heavily features a golem. The golem is, is, a, is a person that is made out of clay. They are brought to life by uh, uh, you know the, the power of, of the Jewish faith and God. And the Gollum, the most famous Gollum is from the 16th century. And the most famous Gollum story is uh, uh, the Gollum is created by a rabbi in order to protect the Jewish people of Prague, I believe, from an anti-Jewish pogrom. And this is what I love about this show, because what you have here is a Picard who has become brittle, has become old, has basically—he says explicitly in in one of the episodes of this series that he was an old man waiting around to die in his chateau, and he is now reborn as a golem. He is reborn as the thing which has protected the synthetic beings. He is now a synthetic being. He is the thing that he was working to protect. He has actually become a golem. And to me, that is so profound, and that is so moving, and that is, it's not about Picard being a robot, it's not about Picard being an android, it's that Picard has literally and symbolically become the very thing that he was fighting to protect, and now that he is a golem, he is going to be able to continue to do that.
1: I'm thinking of the end of the assistant by a Malamud where after uh the main character fi- you know finally converts to Judaism after suffering and understanding what that actually means. I um the
0: Yeah, because I said wanna... on I said on Twitter at some point that I think that, that this is a this this show has a lot of Jewish sensibility about it, which makes sense because Michael Shaban is Jewish and he writes a lot about Jewish mythology, but it, it also is the fact that you know, in so much of this show, I see that sort of thing. So that's all. You know, I don't know if yeah. I convinced you of the efficacy. And of I mean, and or they or do not, make it I, clear I that think...
1: he's not living forever. He's not living indefinitely. I think they make it clear he's got. You know, he's got till the end of season three to really live. Let's you know face it, but um, you know he right yeah right.
0: It, it, and I and I th- it's a cure I giving Picard. I think giving Picard a a a ending date is a really interesting choice as well. A lot of shows you know
1: are doing that nowadays and doing just one season shows and frankly, I love that um I like that shows are experimenting with anthology formats a lot more i I think it's good. I think it's getting some really good stories
0: yeah and i and i I mean I agree with you, I also think that this does kind of work as an anthology i mean obviously the end of this the 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 very last shot of the very last episode of this season is all of Picard's new crew and Picard on the bridge of La Serena, and they're about to warp out to some other adventure. Yes. And we don't know what that's going to be. You know, there was speculation that this was going to end on a cliffhanger. I think it was exactly the right call not to have it end on a cliffhanger. Well, I they mean, they had a very specific story that they wanted to tell, they had a very specific plot that they wanted to tell, and they had themes that they wanted to hit on, and they did that.
1: You know, they'll do the typical thing where season two will be an unrelated thing that'll give more depth to the world and the characters in season three, they're going to deal with the Reapers again and then they'll solve it for good. Um, I mean, that's probably the structure they'll do. That would be the yeah, I don't,
0: point. I actually don't know. I mean, I, I think it'd be interesting to, to sort of, we can speculate some more about what we think the other seasons are going to look like, but I, I don't know. And yeah, I, you know, that's, that to me is where the, the real, the real meat of this is though, that this is, To its core, a Star Trek story that is about the good faith attempt to understand each other, to, you know, have the power of compassion and have the power of optimism and hope and belief in other people and other organisms and other beings and, and have that work. You know, Picard does sacrifice himself. In the last episode, he does die, and it is appropriate that I think he comes back as the, the you know, the symbolic golem. Because he's um, Jesus. No. Um. <laughs> uh, whoa, 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 buddy. <laughs> you know, I we're, talk- I... we're talking about Judaism here, not <laughs> Yeah, um, what religion though- was even Jesus, Even though we are recording huh? this on Easter weekend. <laughs> um. But, but I-, I do think that, you know, leaving that aside, and I think that, you know, there's so much to talk about here, but I... I do want to talk a little bit more about um, where Picard starts out in this series because, you know, I I think there's a there's a lot of ways in which this is a very difficult show to talk about and a difficult show to critique because it it really was I mean I, I know people use this term overuse this term but it really was like a novel for television I mean each chapter um, kind of built on the one before it and it does come to um, you know, a satisfying conclusion, I think. Now, whether or not you you agree well, with that, I, I I don't know. But
1: I want to say that I wish it actually had been a novel. Like, I wish this had been a dense, you know, Les Mis-style novel about... I, I, I keep thinking about the fact that I would love to read a 50-page digression talking about Troy and riker settling this planet like the this is showing like a weird branch in my star trek fandom but like i'm really curious about what that homesteading would look like right like i i would love to just have an aimless tour through uh what was the what was the scum and villainy planet they went to the vegas planet
0: Oh, freeport. Um, I would it, love to see just yeah freeport yeah I would read a hundred pages no just, free cloud free cloud
1: just bumming around free cloud and seeing stuff like one of my issues with the show as a show was that it didn't really focus on the things that I was interested in I am interested in locations and planets as characters and ships as characters and I don't think it really gave us that sense of place that's something that. Star Trek does very well that this series I don't think did.
0: I mean, I would... Uh, well, I think that's interesting because I think the criticism of Star Trek is always planet of hats, right? And yeah, that, but... that it doesn't necessarily do world belt building all that well. And I mean, I do agree with that to a certain extent. I think that um, one of my minor criticisms of this show, and I think that, that as serialized television to get kind of like haughty and big picture for a minute... Has developed and become the the dominant form of television, and and as television shows have limited the number of episodes that they've been doing, and I read this very interesting, um, this very interesting mm-hmm. theory or this very interesting sort of like critique of the economics of television now, because one of the things that I was reading about, um, so there's like a Law and Order marathon that they're doing every day now, and I swear to God yeah. this is going to relate back to Star Trek Picard. But there's a Law & Order marathon that some channel is doing, and you know Law & Order is one of those shows that you just sit there, and it's very episodic, and it tells a complete story in one episode, and you just watch and watch and watch it. And I was looking up Law & Order because I hadn't seen it in a long time, and it's not available on any streaming platform, oh. and one of the reasons they said was that it is just too expensive for any one streaming platform to license all of law and order because there are 20 seasons yeah, yeah there's something like 240 250 episodes of this show and it's just financially unfeasible and that's just the main um, law
1: and order not even counting right the- that's <laughs> just, yeah
0: that's not counting like criminal intent that's not counting svu which has also been on i think for 20 years yeah i would say some and, have
1: been 15 years instead of 20 you know that's yeah
0: right and the point that they were making is that the economics of television have fundamentally changed that the, the, uh, 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 the, the goal of a television series back in the syndication days was to make as many episodes yeah. as possible. So you could strip syndicate a show and you could sell it to a bunch of different TV stations for, you know, and not that much money, but in toto, if you sell it to 200 TV stations all across the country, you're going to get a nice chunk of change for it. Whereas, nowadays syndication is still a thing obviously and network television still more or less runs on that model but all of your cable shows your streaming shows they're 10 episode seasons 12 episode seasons 15 episode seasons what have you uh they don't make these 22 24 26 episode seasons and the reason for that is very simple they can't they literally can't Get their return back if they make more episodes because there is no syndication market for these kind of shows. Yeah, and and so where this brings me with Star Trek Picard is that you know we want I want to talk about a lot of the new characters because I I've, I've seen you know some criticisms online about the ways in which they are ser- ill served or well served by Star Trek Picard depending on your point of view, and I do think that Star Trek Picard would have worked better as a slightly longer season of television where you did have some, I don't want to say standalone episodes, but episodes that would have focused more on some of the new characters. And, you know, the one thing is that it's a 10 episode season and it does move very briskly. And you definitely, I I think they do a good job of characterizing all of these new people in a way that feels organic. And you kind of are able to get a sense of their personality in these 10 episodes. But I do wish that the show had been just a little bit longer.
1: I guess I feel like it's another where it's a 10 episode origin story. Like everything is a fucking origin story these days. And it would be nice to just see this crew on actual. You know, I I I would be. I guess I would be interested in seeing a couple of. Here's one hour, and it's a self-contained story, and they have a problem, and they fix it. You know, I I I we're not yet ready. You know, and who knows what the economics of television are going to be in a month? But um.
0: Yeah, there there probably won't be any economics of television in a month because we won't have any economy in a month. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I would be interested in some less, some more some less serialized drama for a while. I think it would be nice to just see. We you, we said once about Next Generation, it's nice to see a bunch of competent people solving a problem week after week. Like, uh, that, it's, I guess uh, non-serialized storytelling is eventually going to seem like three chords in the truth.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, the thing about Star Trek Picard, of course, is that certainly you can watch one episode and, and you can enjoy it. Um, but it is a piece of a larger whole yeah. and I, I, I can kind of see the point of having 10 episodes of that because you don't really want to make it much longer than that. Um, because it is going to be like, no one's going to sit down and rewatch. I mean, some people would, but you know, no, no, someone is not going to sit down and rewatch like a, a 22 episode serialized season when you can't just sit down and rewatch an individual episode now i do think that there are yeah. some episodes that work better on that basis than others i think stardust city rag uh works really well as an episode you can just sit down and watch i think absolute candor uh works as an episode you can just sit down and watch i even yeah. think like nepenthe for example does that well uh, you know does that as well but but compared you, you to do tng have to lay...
1: where you know whether or right. not an episode is good is a question of course but for the most part if there's information you need to know from a previous episode, they will catch you up to speed on it. Even DS Nine is a little bit better than that, and I guess I realize I yeah. liked I liked DS Nine just multitudes better than Picard. Like I think it it it, it had a I guess, and of course I'm just looking at the final series. I think it had a clearer vision of that, but I guess I'm looking at a but it Picard felt very sloppy when compared to certain other shows that I've been watching recently compared to haunting of Hill house or, um, watchmen or even, you know, twin peaks, the return, all of which were in dialogue with their original, which were kind of sequels to something else. And in dialogue with that original series as Picard tried to be, um, it just, it felt, it didn't feel as tight as that. It didn't feel like as cohesive, um, Again, that's yeah, and just I, comparatively.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I, 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 frankly, I don't see that. I mean, I, 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 mean, as you know and as the listeners probably remember, I am not a plot guy. I am a character guy. You yeah. know, one of my favorite television shows of all time is Treme, a show that famously basically had no plot. Um, it was just a vehicle for sitting around and watching people do things for an hour. Um, and there was no structure to the show. Whereas Star Trek Picard, I think, has a very clear structure. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. It has places that it was very obviously going from the first episode. And I think that this is the problem with serialized television in general, which is that it is very difficult to see the whole for the parts when you are watching it week to week. Now, I'm not saying I would have liked to have had all of Star Trek Picard available on one day to binge, because I also don't like doing that, because I... Binging television just makes me feel existentially gross, um, but I, I I think that I will just put a pin in that criticism because I think that rewatching this show, there are so many little like callbacks. There's so much foreshadowing. There is there are things that I'm like, whoa! They really did know what they were doing, and. It's, it's difficult to remember like a dialogue or a a piece of dialogue or, or a conversation that in hindsight was very important in episode three, when you're on episode 10 and you last saw episode three, seven weeks ago.
1: And that's fair. But again, I also saw Watchmen week to week and it was better at foreshadowing and it was better at paying off. I think, um, Again, that's un- it's it's a very subjective criticism I'm making right now.
0: It, it is a subjective criticism, and I think we'll probably just have to to agree to disagree on that. Yeah. because you know, again, like, but I'm you not really should watch person. Watchmen. Yeah, I probably should. Um, but I, <laughs> I, you know, again, I'm not a I'm not a plot person. Like, like I, no, if there are I, plot holes, I'm sure there are plot holes in Star Trek: Picard. Like, I really don't care that much, honestly. even just in
1: terms of character motivation and stuff. I'm talking about too, like, not necessarily like. Oh, well, you know, the prophecy said this, and it comes to a twist. in the in, No, like, just in the ways that characters well, do things that appear to have one motivation, and then later it's revealed they had a completely different one, and that puts everything into a different relief. Like, stuff like that. I don't know.
0: And in Star Trek Picard?
1: I didn't feel like Star Trek Picard did that as well as the other shows that I've been mentioning.
0: I think that's. I mean, uh, that's fair. I mean, I, I really can't say because I haven't seen yeah. those other shows. So, but but I think that that for me at least it worked. And I think let's let's talk about um, the characters of this show because, frankly, I love them all. I mean, I think that the one that I'm most lukewarm on is Rios, and and that's only because. Um, mostly he is, you know, a taciturn loner who, you know, who was overshadowed by his larger than life, um, you know, emergency holograms, he's more of an
1: actor's gimmick than a character to me.
0: I, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I mean, I think that for me, the open question at the end of Star Trek Picard or one of the open questions I have is what are they going to do with Rios? Because... I don't feel like his character really popped anywhere near as well as 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 uh, Jurati, as Rafi, as even as Elnor. Elnor has you know very little screen time, but it's u- utilized very effectively. And I think that I, you know, again, I don't know how much Michael Cheban you've ever read, and I'm not trying to. No, say I've read that you a bunch. i read I've... all of his novels, but. The man can write, and the man is really good at characterization, and I see his fingerprints all over this show. And so, you know, for me, the characters of this show just just worked. Um, I don't know who you would want to talk about first, but I'll let you take your pick.
1: I mean, Raffi is the only one that I liked very much, and took a while to warm up to and to click on to her, but... um... I couldn't uh what's it Jurati is uh the Allison Pill character, right? Yes. I don't like her. And for very specific like like so she is in the worst season of American Horror Story and she is on this wretched show called Devs. Have you watched that one? It's on Hulu.
0: No, I haven't. Oh,
1: it's so bad. So self-important. Uh it's it's about tech bros and determinism and Basically, at this point, she she plays one character and it's somebody who's baby face that does something just wretched and unforgivable. And then she pouts and expects to be forgiven for it. Like, oh, and I'm sad. I'm just going to murder. So I just I I, I get turned. maybe if she had been played by a different actress, I would feel better about it. But she kills a guy. She kills her lover for no reason.
0: She doesn't even kill a guy. She kills Bruce Matt. Yeah. Like, Like
1: and and. And for nothing! I find this whole, this entire prophecy is not worth killing for, by the way, and it doesn't make any sense why they would not keep it in the open. But we, we will talk about that, I guess, when we go back to plot, but...
0: Oh, it completely makes sense. They're Romulans, are you kidding me? I, I,
1: the only, I know, the way you have to square it is by saying, well, the Romulans are incompetent and lead to complexity, but even for Romulans, it's a stupid plan.
0: I mean, they they you've shoot s- themselves in the-, the Romulans. <laughs> I don't know. I I mean, well, I, I, let's move. On. I, I want to go back to characters. I want to talk about Rafi. I want to talk about Girardi. I want to talk about all these characters. But let's talk about the Romulans because I say the one thing that I really did not think worked in this show was uh, uh, the Romulan Lannister twins. Oh um, God, they were they were because, I
1: like. Call- I called him Team Rocket myself, but they, they needed were like
0: yeah, that's that's a good name. They know.
1: needed a Snarf. Oh, I don't think uh, this plan will work, Snarf. That's what they needed.
0: <laughs> I mean, aside from the fact that Narek is nice to look at and he's got you know, I, I like you know, weird faces and he's got weird teeth and stuff. It's all good to me. Um, even though his hair you're was
1: still on the but... East Coast, I understand.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, um, but. You know, I, Narek is a fine character, and I do like the fact that he does not get any redemption at the end of the series, and I do like the fact that he disappears without even mentioning him because nobody cares about Narek, not even Soji. <laughs> um, I like that a lot. Uh, I do think that, that this show understands the Romulans to a degree which no one has ever really understood them before, and I think if nothing else... The the addition of the concept of absolute candor to the Romulan mythos is just, I mean, it's like to use an overused phrase, chef's kiss. Like I, I liked that. The that Romulan murder nuns, the concept that there would be a sect of Romulans that would have um would would have decided to go against the dominant ethos of their society by becoming these just uh, uh, you know, these these people who just believe in absolute candor, who believe in telling the truth, and all men, there's no guile here, there's nothing, is, is and fascinating it's, to me.
1: And, and they're, I mean, they're the mirror of the Tal Shiar who does all of these shadowy things based on orders by a shadowy something or other, and you know the murder nuns it's entirely their own decision whether or not they give work right like they they, right yeah they don't have they choose elnor doesn't have to talk to a council it's his own choice i i do appreciate that
0: yeah it's 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 really really well done and and definitely you know i think segueing into talking about elnor a little bit but i i also really just like the fact that they are able to do so much with the Romulans. I think that Star Trek Picard is the only series since perhaps the original series to really sort of like make the Romulans what they should be. And yeah, their plan doesn't work and yeah, they, they end up failing at the end of it, but the Romulans always fail. I mean, that's what I think is so interesting about Star Trek Picard is like, it's a modern serialized television show. It's got a high budget. It doesn't look like any Star Trek, you know, ever made before, except for perhaps discovery um but they just they, they there's a lot of the inherent stupidness in Star Trek that's still there in the DNA of Star Trek Picard which I really appreciate I mean I remember way back in I don't even know what episode of this podcast when I was just like look Star Trek is stupid a lot of the time and you just have to go with it and
1: uh, so a friend of mine on you know my my circles group chat is watching through the original series and he is just making fun of it left and right. Oh, that's he got to the Abe Lincoln episode, the other day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, I've, and I and I and I found myself trying to explain like listen, it's a goofy 60s show like take it from somebody you know who knows like through personal experience, the way to get into Star Trek is not by sitting in and watching every single episode. I, as much as I appreciate that commitment and I know we're in a pandemic and need to fill time, but <laughs> yeah. like, find a best of list, start at season three of TNG and then just move on. Like if you don't like the goofiness, you don't like Star Trek and that's okay. I still don't love the original series is still never my favorite. Um,
0: yeah. I wish it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not mine either.
1: I wish it had. I don't know. A lot of the goofiness feels maybe a little more deliberate this time, and therefore it felt awkward to me. I don't know.
0: Um, I mean, I think in certain respects, I think what you see here is again. I, I, I don't want to like make an you know make an argument from authority or whatever, but I, I see so much of Michael Chabon's fingerprints and DNA all, all over this series, and. You know, he is a writer who has has been, you know, championing genre fiction for, for years, decades. I yeah. mean, he is someone who knows all of the tropes of the genre, sci-fi genre fiction, like by, at the back of his hand. And, you know, there is so much of that here. You've got the taciturn, you know, captain. Um, you've got so many elements of this series that I think in less capable hands would have come across as incredibly cliched, but there are some cliches here that he's playing around with. And, you know, I think that, that he also has a deep understanding of the, the Romulans. Right. I mean, you know, like I said before, I, I think that, you know, leaving aside the Romulan, you know, incest twins, which is a plot line that yeah. I could have done without. Um, and, and I don't even remember her name, his, his sister's name. Like, just a little, I was like, who is she? Like, what is going on here? Like, I just kept, I mean, in my head, she, she's played by the same uh, actress who um, played uh, Roger Sterling's second wife in Mad Men. And so I was just kind of like, yeah, sure. Jane, Jane Siegel as a Romulan. Cool. Um, but it, it just, I don't know. something about it just worked for me. And like, I, I think that at every, like I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is is you can dislike this show. You can think that yeah. it, it, it wasn't well-written, that it had plot holes, that the characters didn't work, that whatever. But I don't think that you can argue that this show does not have a deep understanding and love for Star Trek.
1: I think that's part of it. What it understands and loves from Star Trek is not what I understand and love from Star Trek. I don't think it's wrong, but I— Which-
0: is interesting to me because I also think that Star Trek Picard is the closest in spirit and tone of any other Star Trek series to Deep Space Nine.
1: I can agree with that, but I also think that uh, its missteps are a little too great for me.
0: I think that's fair, and I think that the way that I will respond to that is to 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 give it some time and to go back and rewatch this series. I think that Star Trek Picard is going to be one of those series that it's going to have to, it's going to take people 20 years to come around like it took some people 20 years to come around on Deep Space 9. Quite yeah. quite honestly.
1: Yeah, and that's fair. I did watch DS9 roughly 20 years after it aired, right? Like at least 15 and um you know, at that point maybe societally we were ready for it. I don't know. I still would have rather read the book.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about the characters then, and I think um, yeah. you obviously want to talk about Rafi, so let's talk about Rafi. Uh, I love Rafi. I think she's a great character. I think that. Um, everything that I see her in in this series, I see so much understanding of addiction. I see yeah. so much understanding of someone who has lost everything that that she lashes out in anger that she, you know, the very beginning when you first see her, she's living in this, quote unquote, hovel, which a lot of people criticize. But again, come on. She's not homeless. She's not living in a tent. She has a house <laughs> like she's she's able to eat. It and, looks and like I, I mean if you If you want to
1: be alone by yourself, you know where no one's got to go in nature that's not that's actually a fine place to be, you know people at home I mean
0: it's yeah, it's the Vasquez rocks, which you know Star Trek has filmed at many many times before but i I just think that you know Rafi's one of those characters that they obviously really had a lot to to say about, and I love the fact, and this really goes back to some of the themes of this season of television vis-a-vis Picard and how he doesn't really understand emotion and how he really is kind of a, a, you know, um, he's, he's a little bit of a robot, quote unquote, ha ha. Um, You know, he, he brings a bottle of wine to, to an alcoholic and drug addict. Um, He, that scene where she convinces her, her old friend in Starfleet to give them access to the artifact. And Picard starts the clapping for her. Like that, to me, is like Picard at his most oblivious. This is a woman in deep, deep pain and is self-medicating like crazy. And Picard turns it into a a victorious moment for her. And it's it's not at all.
1: No, he doesn't understand how to be around characters who are a little fucked up. Um, I mean, we've we yeah. al- always talked about wondering what civilian life in the Federation is. The clearest we've seen was... Uh, people on Risa or uh, Cisco's family, uh, things like that, and um, yeah, th- th- this is this is about as low as a Federation officer can go, which is still pretty nice, or at least you know, again, she's not homeless; she's you know doing her things. But uh, would Picard be that oblivious? I don't know. It's it's I, I he yeah he's 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 not used to dealing with characters who are that
0: traumatized, I guess, yeah, he's not, and I think that's again that 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 kind of links back to the the themes and the symbolism of this entire season of television, which is that you know these people are haunted by past actions past events and and Rafi is I think the clearest example of that um outside of perhaps P- Picard because what we get of her backstory is that, you know, she was Picard's uh, first officer when they were uh, trying to rescue the Romulans. Um, She's a conspiracy theorist, which, you know, is is a, is a nice little character beat for her. Um, She has a son who she's estranged by. She has really collapsed into, into addiction. And, you know, it's, it's just, I respond so, so well to Rafi because like, I mean, Not to get too personal, but I have a parent who is an addict and it really resonated with me. You know, she acted exactly how addict, addict, addicted parents act. You know, she, she comes back to her son in, in Stardust City Rag and, you know, he's, he's standoffish. He doesn't really want her to be there. He's, he's protecting himself from her because... I'm sure that she has done this before. She has shown up somewhere and said, look, I'm clean, I'm happy, I'm here for you. And there's only so many times that you can do that and have people believe you.
1: Yeah, no, he's somebody who spent the past, you know, since she left struggling to get it together, finally managed to get it together and can't, you know, can't let her in its defenses. Yeah, I All of this worked intellectually for for me, but it also wasn't a... You know, at no point did I look forward to hanging out with these characters, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, I could understand that, but I I think that... Which is not the only
1: reason to watch a show, I know, but...
0: No, it's not, but I think that that's what we're all looking for right now, because we're all in, you know... Lockdown, yeah. social distancing, self quarantine, blah blah blah. But I mean, I agree with you. I think that that like I, I don't know though because I I liked a lot of these characters. I mean, I I like Raffi. I I like Agnes. I there's so many really really nicely written scenes for these characters. I mean, I'd already mentioned that scene in uh in Absolute Candor when Agnes and Rio were talking at the beginning of the episode. You know, yeah. there's all the stuff with Seven and Picard. There's Elnor, oh, sweet little baby Elnor. Like, you know, and and I just like all of these characters so much, except for
1: Rios. (laughs) (laughs) And again, Rios doesn't have a character as much as it's true. Um,
0: He he doesn't. And and, I mean, I also think Soji is a little... You know, I, I'm i I'm reserving judgment for her until the second season. Yeah, because... she
1: hasn't had time to, you know, season two will be about, all right, well, now that nobody's actively hunting you, you know, who are you kind of thing is probably where her arc will go. Wouldn't
0: but you... I, I ha- yeah, I, I totally, I totally agree with that. I mean, I think we just have to wait and see what happens. It's the, nat- um,
1: you know, she becomes the new, uh, star trek character that's figuring out what does it mean to be human and of course picard himself will be going through a little bit of that journey too
0: yes and and in a way i think soji's role in the show is to is to kind of act as that audience stand-in because she doesn't really know any of these people she doesn't trust picard she doesn't know him from anybody and you know, if she doesn't have the strongest characterization right now, I think that's, that's okay. Yeah. But let's talk about the the trauma of separation and let's talk about Elnor because I get the impression you really don't like Elnor. Well,
1: Um, when I first, when they had the scene at the beginning, uh, and a lot of Elnor comes down to visual design because they, when he comes, when Picard is at the no humans bar and elnor is that i jokingly said oh watch he's gonna do the thing where he like runs past and you hear a whoosh and nothing happens and the guy falls apart ha 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 and then they did that and that is i hate that scene it's such a stupid scene it's it's a scene that tries this is just
0: so fat this is just so fascinating to me because i think that scene is great and i think the reason i think it's great is because the show understands that that's a cliche (laughs)
1: Yeah, but I mean, you could either show me cliches and make fun of them, or you can, you know, I'm tired of, hey, we're doing this thing, but we know it's, that's dumb, but we know it's dumb, and we're going to laugh at it with you, so it's not dumb anymore. I mean, it's 2020, that's a...
0: I guess. I mean, it's it's a 15-second scene. I I really don't, you know, it doesn't really affect me that much. I mean, I think it's fair that that you don't like it. Um, Yeah, no,
1: and, and from the... I guess he just, you know, a lot of people said Lord of the Rings, but Eleanor got a lot of anime cliches from from me, and I'm at the age where I don't really love anime, so... I don't know, It's it was weird seeing an anime influence in that way, but that's where I took that
0: you're, from. You're not a... What, what are those Japanese shut-ins called? H- Hikikomori or something? We're um, all
1: Japanese shut-ins right now. Oh my
0: god, we are all Japanese shut-ins now. Um, no, I, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think... For me, like, what, what really resonated for me this time and what I picked up on is when I was rewatching um the, the season finale and mm-hmm. Narek and Elnor are in the same scene. They're sitting around that campfire and Elnor's like, I don't like you. I, you know, like, it's just, you know, yeah. and what I like about this is that, and again, going back to the ways the show has really... Um, developed the Romulans in an interesting way is that, and I think to, to, to a certain degree, I think this is what you want Star Trek to do. Um, going back to your point about world building and that kind of thing is it made the Romulans unique and not a monolith, right? I mean, what we see in this show is we see, we see TNG era Romulans, we see, you know, smooth headed Romulans, Um, you know, we see Romulans with the bowl haircut. We see Romulans with all sorts of haircuts and we see Romulans that disagree with each other. And so to me, I really like all of that because Elnor and Narek are very, very different Romulans, but they're both Romulans.
1: Yes. The ones that we see on the colony who have had 15 years kind of to have their own thing. The ones that are working with Picard. Um, I agree with all that. It,
0: it, it's well. Let me ask you this: I mean, what what do you think the purpose of Eleanor is in the show? You know, because I think I'm, I know what the purpose of Eleanor is, but I'm asking you.
1: Well, well, the part of the arc that I see that I don't see finished with Eleanor and Picard is that you have. Picard meets Elnor when he's a kid. Picard hates kids, sure. Um, You know, we know, having watched the full series, that it's a little more complicated than that. Picard hates uh, chaotic kids. Picard hates loud kids. Picard hates kids that he doesn't understand. Uh, Picard also feels that his duties prevent him from having a child in his life, so he's kind of cantankerous as a way to avoid that pain. Okay, but Elnor comes, and he's actually pretty cool. Uh, He likes this kid, but duty takes him away. You know, the exact thing that Picard fears came true in a way. Uh, He comes back years later and, you know, Elnor saying why, you know, Elnor says, why do you want me? Why do you want me for that? And the answer that he wants to hear is that, well, because when you were a child, I bonded with you. I was always there. I wasn't able to fully be there for you. But now, you know, we can actually have a full adult relationship. That's what Elnor wants, Right. Like yeah. that is the thing, and even somebody who has been raised in absolute candor is not able to fully say that to Picard. He is still he, – he doesn't go that far as to say exactly what he wants Picard to hear. He's just – tells him, you know, you got – Picard mutters like, oh, well, you're a very skilled warrior. Picard – you know, Eleanor tells him he's wrong. He doesn't tell him what the right answer is and then just shows up and decides to work with him because he understands that that's who Picard is. You know, they never have that conversation.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think that that that's fair. I I think that for me, um, I don't know that, I don't know that Picard or Elnor are capable of having that conversation. And I and I don't mean that in like a churlish way. I don't mean that in like a sarcastic way. I just really mean like I don't know that Picard is capable. I mean, look at the way in which he reacts when Raffi tells him that she loves him yeah. at the end of the of the season. Like, you know, he's like, oh, okay, and then yeah, but he grudgingly says it. Like, back and yeah and, i mean yeah he does and i think that that's that's picard growing but i think that you know elnor is there's not i mean let's be clear i mean there's not a lot to talk about with elnor you know and there's, yeah. I- these are characters that are new and we don't have a good you know we, i think we have a sense of who they are but i don't know that we have a good sense of like you know we have not spent seven seasons with these characters in the same yeah. way that we spent all that time with uh you know jordi for example um and yeah we're so, at most
1: gonna have 30 episodes with these people
0: yeah And, and I think so. Yeah. And I think, you know, for me, like Elnor really, I see all of the characters as a piece and all of them tying back to the themes of this show. Because, you know, of course, like Agnes is haunted by the past. She, um, can't do her life's work because of the ban. Her, her lover has disappeared. Um, you know Rafi, obviously I mean i don 't even think I need to say <laughs> what what rafi is is haunted by. Rios is obviously haunted by something that we find out you know towards the end of the series in terms of this captain who he saw as a father figure uh, you know murders two uh, synthetic beings in cold blood and then shoots himself and, and and the implication being that Rios feels responsible for his suicide. And and Elnor, to me, I think is really interesting because Elnor, I think, links up most explicitly with Hugh. And we haven't even mentioned the fact that Hugh is in this. But what I like about Elnor and Hugh together in that the fact that Elnor is willing to die for Picard and so is Hugh and Hugh represents Picard at his best. Hugh represents Picard at his, at his most expansive and his most open-minded and Hugh responds to that very well. They have that hug. It's, it's, it's a nice little moment for them. And Elnor represents the exact opposite of that. Elnor is one of Picard's greatest failures and yet, and yet Elnor still will die for Picard. But
1: does Picard
0: earn that? Well, that's the thing, though. I don't know that it's about what Picard earns or doesn't earn. I think it's about the choices that people make. I mean, that is the very that that's the whole. I think that's the whole point of it. Is that at the end of it, you know, Picard isn't going to make the decision for Soji not to become the destroyer. Soji has to make that decision for herself.
1: Yeah, I guess. I I. <laughs> <laughs> I I I I had issues with that whole end thing. Again, we're going back into plot, but
0: uh, that's fine. We're gonna go all over the place. Okay, People remember what this show is like.
1: Well, well, let me ask you this: If you called nine one one and said, "Help! Help! They're in the house. They've got to... and then you just uh, hung up on them, what would happen?
0: Well, the police would show up.
1: Yeah, so soji pushes the distress button the uh the the the, so number one i thought it was going to call the borg i thought the borg were going to be revealed as the ultimate cyber being um so missed opportunity there um the worms from the matrix poke their head in the beacon is turned off they poke their head out everything's saved it's okay like didn't that seem a little too late
0: I mean, sure. (laughs) Look, I look. I don't think the show is perfect, right? And I, 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 I've already outlined a couple of the problems I have with it. And I think that, and this is what I mean when I say,
1: like, I feel like its failures outweighed its uh, outweighed any merits it had because those things are still out there, you know, and they 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 they, they they are
0: done. But but the the bug things that like infected people in conspiracy, that terrible season one episode of TNG are still out there, too. And no one's ever mentioned them again. Like there, are know, dec- I, I just feel there is a degree where I feel like, con- you know, conspiracy is one of the more influential
1: episodes on this series. And I don't know if that's a good thing.
0: I'll go into that a little. I'm curious. I, I, I don't know that I've made that connection. So I, I'm curious <laughs> to hear you talk about that a little more.
1: I know a lot of people have talked about uh the death of Ichab and you know the gore and violence in that way and whether or not Star Trek has been vi- and whether or not that's um
0: And I do know. I do want to talk about that because again people are missing the point of that scene but continue. No, I get it.
1: We needed to see that it was re- you know we really hated the anime villainess um that episode. We needed to really hate her so we needed to see that she was like really cold-bloodedly murdering each ad but like you know it, sure fine you know that that it's um I, I, that I mean that that's I guess as far as I feel like about it like sure okay I guess that was just it was justifiable it wasn't the, it's not the end of the world that it had it but still like that was a decision sure that I guess that's what I mean when I say like I don't think I had the same priorities as it as the show um I would have thought that you could get me to hate the villainess by giving her some character. They just gave her a costume.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, I agree with that, but I, I, I do, I do, don't, I don't want you to drop the conspiracy thing because I think that that's that's interesting. So just. Go into that a little bit more, because I'm not sure I quite understand what you mean, I I, want to hear you say it.
1: The scene where they finally destroy the, you know, the the head conspiracy thing, and there's, you know, the bloody ribcage and all of the the evil creature-like, that scene is ludicrously gory for where TNG goes. And it very much, like, I think conspiracy is interesting in setting the tone of TNG in that it shows something that the series was not good at doing, and then because yeah. then it was it's followed by Skin of Evil, right? Um, um, I don't or right. Think it's so. I, it's or Skin of Evil it's is around. The episode it's right around before, that
0: time. Yeah, it's around that time.
1: Which I find an in- influential episode, even though the villain is terrible in that one too. Um, the way it ends up becoming about. You know, what was terrible about this is that one of our crew is dead and the fact that Tashiar's death has a long shadow over the rest of the series. Um mm-hmm. I seeing those two I, I see those two episodes as two sides of the same coin in where T and G eventually went. Um and this almost seems like this is the episode that looks at conspiracy and says, all right, well, you know, the Federation's structure can have problems with it, and if there's a conspiracy against it, it's going to be bad, and we're going to have big action and, you know, big gore and stuff, and it's going to just show how alien and gross this creature is. Like, that. that's... It seems like that's where Picard went. Picard huh. gave us a glance at a different evolutionary path for the series.
0: Uh, yeah, I... I don't know. I mean, I I think that that's interesting because I I don't I don't know that I entirely agree with it, but I I, I can see where you're coming from, like it, it, because that's not the only conspiracy in Starfleet we, yes. we ever see. DS Nine has that, many. <laughs> yeah, DS Nine. I mean, DS Nine is all about conspiracies in a lot of ways, um, and and you know, Voyager has its share of weirdnesses too. I mean, there's that whole episode about the Omega Directive, and you know, there's uh, there's that kind of thing. I I do think that. You know, this series is apart from Starfleet and the Federation in a way that no other Star Trek series has been. And I again that's why I see that the lineage of this show most closely matching that of Deep Space Nine, because the one of the reasons why I mean there's a lot of reasons why Deep Space Nine is is the finest Star Trek series and, and <laughs> one of the finest television series ever made, frankly. But one of the things that I love about Deep Space Nine so much, and I think we talked about this ad nauseum in the podcast we made about it, is the fact that you get characters that are not part of the Federation. You get characters yeah. that are are Federation citizens but aren't in Starfleet. You know, you get to see all these different sides and facets of of Starfleet, and it, it is the case that, of course, Commodore. Oh, you know, as Riker says, whatever your real name is, you know, Commodore General, whatever. Um, at the end of the of this season uh it, it is the case that 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 conspiracies are something that are are just inherent to the nature of of Starfleet for whatever reason and you know the 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 violence of it of star trek Picard you know i think is overstated i don't i don 't find the series to be to be gory in any way i mean i i I personally am someone who is very sensitive to gore i don 't watch gory yeah. horror movies I really just can't do that you know and the Echeb stuff is is uncomfortable to watch I mean when I was rewatching it this week I was in the middle of you know I was uh uh you know about to sit down to dinner and that was a choice <laughs> that I made um but <laughs> but but it, but it is the case that like I I think that the Echeb stuff you know Hugh's death for example um there's a lot of care in this series that I think is quite not being understood and I think that that's why it's going to take time for a lot of people to to come around to this series. You know, you included frankly. And, well, my and-
1: question is then is that my shortcoming for not seeing it or is it the show's shortcoming for not expressing that well like and maybe season two it will figure out oh we were being too subtle about these things oh we you know concentrated too much on this element and more effectively you should take this well, sh-, you know
0: i mean you know i'm not trying to put you on the spot and i think we're having a, a very i think we're having a very honest conversation about this obviously i i like the show. absolute more candor than you did yeah absolute candor exactly but but i do think that what you said earlier about this is not quite the show that you were expecting or that you wanted is is pretty telling because i think that's where a lot of the criticisms of this show are coming from and i also think that initially that was a lot of the criticism that deep space 9 got that this isn't star trek you know these people are on a space station and you know, there's Quark and there's Odo and they're fighting and there's people that are arguing with each other and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and it took people a long time to, to come around to the, the sort of like profound quality of, of so much of Deep Space Nine. Now, is Star Trek Picard going to become that type of show? You know, I don't know. And I think that it's difficult to compare them because Star Trek Picard is such a different type of television show than than Deep Space Nine. Hmm. But but again, so much of it for me worked in a way that I think uh, a lot of people went into Picard with preconceived notions and... Maybe this would have been better without Picard. You know, I really can't say. I, I don't. I really think do so. feel
1: like a different character who is also an admiral, who is also who is a bit more of a hot shot. Because I think this show requires somebody who is a little more arrogant and into his name than Picard quite is. But sure, I, I, I'm okay. You know, I'm so not going to say was
0: Star Trek Janeway.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like. He, yeah, Star Trek anybody. I mean, th- th- this is – because I, I, I've been comparing it to Wrath of Khan in a lot of ways in my head,
0: right? Like, Yeah, yeah, because it kind of recontextualized – yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Wrath, Wrath of Khan looks at Kirk and says, you know, OK, he's a guy who was – what is the problem with Kirk? Well, based on the fact that he's a 60s television show character, he's always been right. He's never had to deal with the consequences of his action for more than a, you know 15 minutes. Um, he's never, ha- he, he's he been able to make a decision. He's never had to fail because he's never wanted to. And Wrath of Khan looks at that and says, okay, yes. And that's going, you may be able to work that for decades. You may work that through retirement, but eventually something's going to happen. You know, the no win situation will happen and mm-hmm. you need to, you know, you will be tested on that. Nobody gets to avoid the no-win situation. Um, Picard's problem has never been, well, Picard, you know, throws his weight around and, you know, decides what he's going to do and damn the concept. Because Picard is explicitly the guy who always has everybody into his ready room and he listens to everybody's uh concerns and tries to take them all into and he he stands a little bit aloof it's because he feels that taking support emotional support from other people burdens them and uh, not that it's a sign of weakness mm-hmm. but that it overburdens them and that by the end of all good things he realizes that you know refusing to let these people help him is not an act of love it's an act of standing aloof and the way to you know, to respect and love these people around him is by drawing on their support, is by showing weakness in front of him, is by allowing that kind of thing. And even if we are going to say, well, history repeats itself and, you know, that's going to happen, I don't know if that's... That's not exactly Picard's problem. And the show is addressing, well, what happens when, you know, you've thrown your weight around and it doesn't work anymore and you don't have any of the ensigns of command at your disposal, right? Like, you don't have any... Power is not about the external uh, show of it. It's not about rank. It's not about impressiveness. It's about the fact that you're able to get a group of people who believe in your cause and are going to work with you and all of that. And I don't know. That's a slightly different thing than the Picard problem.
0: Yeah, I mean I I think that that's that's really well put. And you know, for me, I think that the way that I I react to that. Well, well two thoughts. Number one of course is that um I think Star Trek Picard it made me realize that I actually don't care about Star Trek. That I don't care about Picard all that much. Like that's fair. In in a weird way, like he is not one of my favorite characters from Star Trek. He is not one of my favorite characters from uh, uh from TNG. Um you know, when I watch TNG, i i enjoy picard but it's he's not someone that i have a, a an emotional connection to like a lot of other people and so i can kind of see that being um you know difficult or challenging because this show in a lot of ways is interrogating the idea of of picard as a character um and then i also think that that in a, in a way, you know, because there's that there's that scene between Picard and and, and Jabon um, from the second or third episode of the season where, uh, you know, he's saying, I need a ship and Jabon is like, you know, call him up, call up Worf, call up Geordi, like these people will help you. And Picard says, no, 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 they would do it out of, you know, they would do it in a second and that's not fair to them because the implication being dot, 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 they love him, it's obligation, etc. whatever, they're a family, right? And Picard doesn't want to put them into danger because Picard thinks that this is going to be his last adventure and he's going to die, which he is both right and wrong. And I think that Picard being able to Cobble together a motley assortment of people and and at the end of the season, have them all want to continue uh, uh, to adventure together on La Serena is a testament to to Picard's ability to, to transcend his own shortcomings in, yeah. a, in a way. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, where the crew at, I feel a lot better about the crew at the very end of the series than I did throughout the series, if that makes sense. It does, yeah. Like, oh, good. I'm glad they're having adventures together. But man, did I not enjoy watching them get together?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think like the 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 last episode of the the season, especially where they're kind of split, and and Jurati and Picard are together, and then you have Rafi and Rios and Elnor and uh, Narek, um on their little adventure together. Is is really uh, the 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 That's the moment when I think the crew really comes together in in, in sort of an ironic way, even though they're apart. And it is the case, I think, that all of these characters are in very different places, I think, emotionally at the end of this season than they were at the beginning. and. You know, I I don't know what season two of this show is going to look like. I don't I don't think that they really have like a plan quote unquote for the three seasons. Okay. Um, but it, it, it's going to be interesting to to see where this goes. I mean, I think that that more than anything else is, um, is what I what I one of the things that I really liked about the the series so far. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to continue. I, I guess. <laughs> you're you're coming around in my way of thinking. Um, well uh, uh, i I do you know we, we we've been talking for for a while now, and we should probably start to uh, to to think about um you know spiraling for for a landing um, even though there are no flights right now because everyone is socially distancing <laughs> um, but i I do think that you know we haven't really talked about um, data yet, and I think that that's really interesting because so much of this series Feels the absence of Data in a way that is incredibly striking to me. I mean, the series starts with Picard's dream of them playing poker in 10 forward. Um, you know, he has dreams of Picard. Yeah. The entire, the entirety of this adventure starts because he thinks that Dodge is a uh, Data's daughter. Um, and, and I think that Data's, the revelation in the in the season finale that Data is still alive in some fashion uh, is is really really interesting because I think that in a lot of ways this, if nothing else, this season of television, and particularly the last fifteen twenty minutes of the season finale, are are fixing Star Trek Nemesis. And I <laughs> didn't even think that I wanted Star Trek Nemesis to be fixed. I didn't think that it was something that I wanted. And I, I really did, you know, like Data's death in Star Trek Nemesis, while it was heroic and while it was his it was the culmination of his desire to become human, he's sacrificing himself for the captain that he loves. There was something unsatisfying about it, and it it, it, it just it, I don't know, it just worked for me. That was
1: no, the the, the data scenes are the strongest, largely owing to, you know. Spiner and Picard work very well together, you know, know how to play these two characters, seeing these two care, I buy their feelings towards each other. You know, if it's nice to believe, it's nice to feel that Data understood emotions and so did Picard finally understood love, you know, to each other. I wish that scene had come from a different show. Again, I, I, I just still didn't quite like this plot, still didn't quite fall for the characters still didn't feel that it expressed its themes about mortality as well as it could have. Um, It left too many loose ends, which may get picked up
0: later on, but. See, I've, I've heard that criticism from other people and I, I don't like what loose ends are there. I mean, certainly the Romulans and certainly the, uh, the, the, whatever, you know, tentacle, you know, monsters from the fourth dimension or whatever, but um overall, I think it did a pretty good job of wrapping everything up i
1: I'm worried about the tentacle monsters i guess at that whole th- it didn't make sense i guess that that's it The whole prophecy didn't work for me the super things didn't work for me i thought i thought the Borg cube was gonna play more of a part. it just kind of happened to be there you know it, it, locutus any all of the locutus stuff. Other than being haunted by a past didn't really go anywhere.
0: You know? It... Yeah, but again, I think this just fundamentally comes down to uh you know what what you want out of a out of any kind of art. Like, I don't know, man. Like I'm w- just like I'll just I'll I'll quote AI Sing, like, oh relax, man. Like, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> like it just to me know. it's like so much of I'm this not- was like you know, so much of this just worked for me on an emotional level that yeah. I I don't really care. I mean, it doesn't. It, it no, weird and to say that I don't really care. But like, and and certainly, I think that you are being fair in your criticisms. I mean, I think that this is coming from a place of you know deep love for these you know Star Trek in general and TNG and and, and Picard. Um, you know, I I have opinions about some of the criticism I've seen of this show coming from a place of bad faith, but.
1: Yeah, like I read the red
0: letter media stuff,
1: and while I agree with the letter of a lot of their criticisms, I think there is a lot of willful, like oh, it's stupid, how dare you know? Uh, I think there is a lot of willful getting the worst interpretation of some stuff, and I mean, I do, yeah, I don't feel angry at the show or anything. I don't, you know. I feel frankly bad because I know of how much you did enjoy it, you know, and you did get something deep and meaningful out of that. And I don't wish to discount that at all because, you know, there's been plenty of stuff that I've gotten meaning myself out of this. I guess for me is this wasn't that show for me. Um, What you've gotten from this, I find I've gotten from other series that, you may like I, I, I don't particularly I, I don't picture Twin Peaks The Return being particularly meaningful for you since especially you haven't seen the original. It's not your type of show, but it hit me on a very primal level as well. Same with Watchmen. Um, I know you had some critiques of the the ending of The Good Place that I've heard a lot of the same for that didn't matter to me. Like I thought that went where it was supposed to go. So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, uh, and I and I think I think that's fair. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, I think at the end of the day though, it, it just really does come down to, to expectations. And I think that, um, and I'm not saying you're doing this. I mean, I want to be no. clear, but I think that, that so many of the, the criticisms of this have really come from a place of not understanding that this was done very differently than TNG by design, um, that we didn't see a lot of the TNG crew by design, um, and I like that. I mean, I think that that's been always one of the criticisms of Star Trek, especially the Star Trek novels, is, like, small universe syndrome. And, yeah. And I guess you know, for me, I, like... that's, and that's why And that's why seeing, like, Riker and Troy in Nepenthe is so moving. I mean, we have to deal with that. I mean, we just haven't even talked about them at all, but... Well, I guess
1: it's like, you know, I've seen a lot of criticism that says that, oh, how that come that's that's butthurt about the fact that the show is criticizing Picard right like I've the character yes I've and me I feel like the show didn't go far enough the reason I liked Troy and Riker is these are two people possibly the two people most but you know anybody on the TNG crew knows who Picard is knows who Picard is at his best and therefore has the right and the authority and the knowledge to properly say, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Who are you? This is not you. And I guess I wanted to see more TNG characters to see more of that so the show would be able to lean into that criticism, right? Like, Picard needed to be something to the TNG crew, and he, they all grew together and they all developed, and now they're on their own. Riker is his own captain. He doesn't Need his mentor in the same way that he did, you know, 20 years ago. But now there is another group of people that Picard is taking the responsibility for. But, you know, the scene where he tells, basically tells Soji, like, yeah, get it, yeah. And what Troy yells at him for doing is essentially assuming that Soji is somebody who has gone through Starfleet training and worked with him and had that opportunity to, to develop. That relationship of trust so when he when he says we need to do this you n- just need to trust me she has no basis on that nobody on the ship really has base the basis for that uh Rafi's, he's le- left al- alone i mean ursula has barely any relationship to him rios and he have never been able to a- have never let down their defenses to actually be close to each other um
0: yeah, but I, I think, guess I the mean, show I, sort of
1: sort of goes into that. I guess I wish that had been the I wish that had been the the salient purpose of the show, and I'm not sure it was enough for me. I don't know. Again, the show touched touched on a lot of stuff, but I don't think fully explored
0: to my liking. I mean, I think that's fair, but I I do think that you have to remember that that. Most of the people that are on the crew, Rafi accepted, or people that didn't know Picard before they all got on La Serena together, and yeah, you know, I don't know, I don't know how reasonable it is to expect Rios and Picard to develop a close relationship in like two weeks. Do you know what I mean? No, and no, so, no.
1: But that is, also, I, I also, but at the same time, that doesn't matter because that is what Picard's ship was. Ulti- that that's what the lesson of. Star Trek The Next Generation was that you're in, if you're in this together with a bunch of people you know the best way to get through your situation is by learning to love and trust each other and I guess maybe they're making the baby steps towards that at the beginning but at, yeah because I mean the I series
0: think at, I think at the end of the day you do have to remember that this is just one season of a television show and you know for me I think that that where that links back to the overall, you know, emotional beat of of Picard the character in this is that you know this is a man who again was one of the most decorated Starfleet captains ever to to exist and he was unceremoniously tossed out of Starfleet. He then retreated to his chateau and, you know, wrote some books and assumedly like studied archaeology and maybe taught some classes or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, has his two, uh, Romulan, um, you know, housekeepers, uh, Laris and Shabin, who are both fantastic characters and I love them. And, uh, Laris is amazing. Um, but it, it, you know, where this is coming from to me is that Picard has really lost his way. And, and, you know, the key the key moment in the entire season for me where that really becomes evident is at, towards the end of Nepenthe when Riker and Picard are sitting by the lake and drinking their coffee or whatever they're doing. And, you know, Riker's like, hey, listen, I never thought you had any right to retire. And Picard is like, yeah, I, I think you were right. Like, I, I gave up. I was tired. And mm-hmm. in a lot of ways having one or two of the TNG characters on La Serena to to basically be able to, to browbeat Picard, I think would have gotten very tiresome. And it's also not the point of the show. The point of the show was that Picard needed to do this for himself and that at the end of this, he is reinvigorated. He is literally a new person um, and that he has once again been able to develop a strong crew by the force of his personality.
1: Maybe this show then really just depends on the fact that how badly do you want to see Picard go through that journey? And I guess I felt that Picard's journey was done. I even felt the I mean I kind of felt the movies were redundant towards all good things. Maybe that's probably- yeah, I mean, I
0: definitely, I, I definitely feel like the movies. Well, you know, we, if you want to, if you want to hear our thoughts on the TNG movies, um, you can go back and listen. You don't, we don't need to rehash it here. Um, but I, you know, it, it, you know, we're, I, I feel like we're 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 you know slaloming into the end of this. But I, I do want to take just a little bit of time to discuss the returning characters that that we've touched on a little bit. I mean, obviously, Hugh, I don't know that there's too much to say about Hugh. Um, he served a purpose in the narrative and the emotional arc, and he he served it. Um, there's seven of nine. There's Traker. Traker. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God, I just created a term, Traker. Um, oh, no, that's Ra- like
1: the episode of, uh, that's like Tuvix.
0: That's like Tuvix, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, and so I want to talk about I think I want to talk about Riker and Troy first because I think that Riker and Troy uh uh if I never see Riker and Troy again I won't care. Like they got their yeah. their happy ending tinged with a little bit of sadness. Uh and I think that works very well. It was super nice to see them again, especially Troy. I was very surprised at how emotional I was to see Troy again just the 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 compassion that she shows I mean, she is just a fantastic, she's written so well in Nepenthe and, uh, you know, Riker as well is great. I mean, their daughter is fantastic and she obviously has a crush on Soji, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but but it's just, you know, I I like where they're at and I like the fact that I think that the purpose of having them, of course, was to smack Picard in the face and really just... Highlight exactly where he went wrong and how he needs to fix all of this, and that's precisely what happens in the final three episodes of the season. But I'm curious what you thought of where Riker and Troy are now, twenty years. I after mean, that was
1: that was my favorite episode of the season, and you know, I think they're a glimpse of a non sad retirement, right? Like P- Picard's retirement is. I can't think of anything better to do, so I'm just going. We we we've it's been established how bored Picard is at just staying back at the vin uh, at the vineyard, both in all good things and in family. Was it called when uh, the family? After, yeah, yeah. Like makes it clear that I, I mean that is exactly.
0: Well, and and interestingly, I mean, this is just a side note, but I think it will color what you're saying is that um, I didn't go back to rewatch family uh, to to verify this, but I believe that his brother at one point, you know, says something like, oh, you always had your eye on the stars um, at the yeah. Chateau. And that's pretty much what Lara says to Picard as well, which I thought was <laughs> interesting.
1: Yeah, no, it's made very clear that going back and tending the vineyard, while Picard will, of course, be very good at it, and it is, of course... For another person, maybe a very good thing to go and take care of the family business and go back to. But for Picard specifically, that is a failure. That is a giving up. For Riker, it turns out that, yes, living with his family and and homesteading on this planet is a very satisfying life. Like he, he will still I mean, he still shows up in the end when he needs to. But he's done that out of a choice. He's decided that. I've had my adventures for the most part, and now I am going to, frankly, live the good life. And something that Riker earned, that Troy earned. Um, you know, Troy's decided she, they, they, after their pain, they have decided that this is the way that they can live with it and still have dignity and love. And that's a good thing for him. You know, for Picard, yeah. it's not. For Picard, Picard is not going to. It, Picard made his choice he may sometimes regret that he never had a family and settled down but that is not this Picard and he won't
0: yeah I I agree with all of that and I think that that you know I don't know how much else I have to say about the the Riker Troys except that you know that is a happy ending for them even though you know as you said there it is tinged with tragedy and I think it's you know, it's very, very telling that they, like you said, have decided to, to stay there. You know, this is where their son died, but this is also, you know, where their daughter lives and is comfortable. And and it's they're... where their
1: son lived for a while, right? Like remember, right, right. Remember what the show says its theme is, is that, you know, death is not going to invalidate life. Death is what makes it precious and... Yeah. You know, they have, by the time that we meet them, they have finally gotten to the point where, you know, and and, and how how interesting is it that uh, Lwaxana Troy had a child who died, and we saw in the dark page the trauma that that led to, and the fact that it was something that she repressed for all of her life and had almost a fake personality on top of, and... You know, Deanna Troy lost a child and is able to be open about it, and realizes that the way to g- do this is to still talk, to still honor their their son's contributions. They still, you know, talk about the stories that he told. They they are able to keep him alive in that way by still telling stories and still taking influence and still remembering him.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I just I I just really want to highlight how great Marina Sirtis is in this episode mm. because. It's just, I mean, that, that little moment on her face before she opens the door to Thad's room, um, it's obvious that she hasn't been in there in, in, since he died yeah. and, you know, or we're, we're close to it. And it's just such a nice little moment. I mean, I think that she does real, a really, really great job. I mean, you know, and, and the fact, of course, that, that Kestra is the name of her sister that, that died that you mentioned, you know, from Dark Page, yeah. um, all of these things go together so nicely. And, you know, it's interesting because I think Marina Sirtis works as a as an actor still, um, whereas, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, Jonathan Frakes doesn't. You know, he's a director now. And so, yeah. you know, he did have trouble, he said, getting back into it and he was nervous hmm. about it. And he really shouldn't have been because he's he's fantastic. I mean, he very believably inhabits Riker as an older man who ha- hasn't lost his, like, Sense of humor and his verb for life and all of these things, but but he is older and he's he's hanging out now. You know what I mean?
1: Well, he's it, and, I, and he he has figured out a way to because Riker was always non toxic masculinity, right? Like he dated a lot yeah. of women, but did so respectfully. He was very actions a- action oriented, but not half cocked. He, you know, listened to other people. He had protective guardian strength and all of that. And now he is at a point where he is older. He's not going to be action hero. He's not going to be chopping down trees in the wilderness, but, you know, something he's going to forage for vegetables and make wood-fired pizza outside and hang out with his family. And, you know, he's an evolved older version of that.
0: Yeah, and he can still, I mean, when Picard needs him, he's there. I yeah mean, he shows up he's still able to to pull that off, which I think is is really fantastic. I do want to talk a little bit about about seven of nine because she's the character that i I have the most trouble figuring out, weirdly enough, <laughs> like I get her arc in this show and where mm. she came from um but i don't know that I completely understand it because she is a very bitter she's a very broken person this is not the type of person that star trek usually shows us in 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 a sense yeah. and i i like where they put her i think it makes a lot of sense in that respect and i think obviously as we touched on before um the the, the horrible death of echeb uh is is a motivating factor here for her in a lot of ways and i think that Seven of Nine, we both really appreciated on Voyager. Um, I like her character a lot. And I think here, Jerry Ryan does a good job of embodying an older Seven who has regained some more of her humanity, but is still recognizably Seven. Um, And I, I think that it does lean a little bit too hard, perhaps, into... Seven of Nine is sort of like hard-boiled character, um, but overall, I think it worked. It worked fairly well, and I do think that. I mean, weirdly enough, as nice as it was to see her in this, I think her showing up in this more than anything else felt a little bit like fan service to me.
1: I think that's fair. I don't. I'm not entirely sure what she added or did to the show. It was great to see her, but. I don't quite understand what these rangers are. By the way, I didn't really click on that. Is that something that's been established in other books or something, or is that something no? I don't no. think
0: so. As I understand that, they're they're basically the maquis. Only they're protecting the yeah. We help the Romulan kind of neutral thing. zone because um, the Romulan neutral zone no longer exists. And I think I, 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 there was one line of dialogue which which said I think explicitly that Fenris is the name of a planet. Um, and by the way, I mean, I love all the names of the planets in this show, if nothing else. Yeah. I mean, they really do a good job with that. But yeah, I think Fenris is supposed to be a planet in the former Romulan neutral zone. And with the collapse of the Romulan state and the pull out of the Federation, um, it, it, it has just become lawless. And okay. the Fenris Rangers are a way to, to try and, and keep... Uh, uh, some semblance of of order in in the form of Romulan neutral zone. They've
1: taken that lawlessness and done it positively to be vigilantes, essentially.
0: Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, and so that makes sense for Seven, I think. I mean, I don't think Seven, you know, I, I'll be curious to see what you think about what I'm about to say, but I that I buy that. You know, I don't, I don't. Yeah. Seven. No, Seven doesn't I, strike me as a type of character that that at the end of Voyager in Endgame when Voyager shows up and Earth is there and all the Starfleet ships are there to greet them, that Seven is going to go, cool, I'm going to go sign up for Starfleet Academy now and I'm going to become a Starfleet person. Like, I, I think that there is always a, a, a tinge of sadness to this person. I think there's always a tinge of, of discomfort with being in a place. And so where she is makes a lot of sense to me, even if I don't quite buy exactly how... Hard-boiled and damaged she is. If that makes maybe sense, maybe I'm more
1: interested in a seven of nine show then, because <laughs> I I am curious. Where is Janeway in all of this? By the way, what what happened? Right. What did Jay, You know, did Janeway have anything to say about the death of Icheb? Like, you would think that after all they've been through, you know, Janeway would make damn sure. I mean, uh, yeah,
0: and I. I, I think that there, you know, it's it's a hard thing to to it's a hard it's a hard thing to think about because it, it, when you start going down that road, what did Janeway think about this? Well, what's what's Geordi up to? You know, uh, what's going on in Deep Space Nine? I mean, did Bejor ever enter the Federation? What happened with the Dominion yeah, War? Like, I know. All of these things, and I think that you know that's not the purpose of this show, and it, it complicates things having Seven B in it, of course, and I think that. Some of what you're seeing here is the creative team, the writers of the show, and the producers wanting to make sure that someone could watch this yes, and make of sense of it who's never seen TNG before or Voyager. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I mean I'll mean, i be honest, I, I kind of hope there's an episode in season two where La Serena docks at DS9. I mean, I I want to see what's going on there.
1: But this is the problem with the show trying to serve about 16 different masters, right? Like, it wants to give us all of these connections and Easter eggs and stuff that we've seen already so that we get to see it. And we want to hear the catchphrase and stuff. But it also does want to say its own thing and does need to be something else and, frankly may not necessarily be agreeing with everything from the original series, from the Next Generation specifically, you know what I mean, from its parent series yeah, or, I, yeah, or I, I, yeah. wants to question some things about its original. I guess this is where Twin Peaks The Return comes in because it does deal very explicitly with that, okay, we're having a revival series 20 years later and this is a series that's been reduced to a handful of memes. What does that mean? What does that mean? What are the implications of that? And Picard isn't really able to; it doesn't really have time, or inclination, or ability to handle all of those implications. You know, it gives us a make it so from time to time because, ha, he said that in the original series. But
0: I mean, I I, I don't disagree with that, but I, I do think that I, I mean, obviously, I, I, I like the show better than you, and I think it works yeah. a lot a lot more than, than, than you think it works. Um, and for me, you know, I'm not familiar with, uh, Twin Peaks of Return. I don't know how closely it hewed to the, um, you know, the, the, the style or the tone or anything of the original. I read, I, 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 a I heard a description that called it
1: a, another show that's possessing and animating the corpse of the original show. So let that give you an idea.
0: okay that's fair because i think that like you know at the end of the day i think the creative impulse the creative choice here they want to bring back picard picard is a beloved character they had a story in mind for him they they hire the greatest american living novelist to to write and show run this um if nothing else i mean christ you know how did they get michael chabon to do this i don't know but um i'm glad he did uh but like i don't want to see tng again you know like and this is exactly no. the same thing that i had um i think years and years ago i said this on the podcast where you know talking about a tng reboot in the same way that the the three um you know star trek movies uh from the past few years were were a reboot of the original series like i'm not interested in a tng reboot i think tng is a fantastic show and i think it would it would be inappropriate and even kind of churlish to, to reboot TNG because the original is just so good. And I don't want to see these, I don't want to see all these characters again on a ship having a last adventure. You know I mean? That made sense for the original series because the original series was cut short, right? It was only three seasons and the third season was mostly atrocious. Um, And so people were hungry for more adventures and more stories with that crew. So that completely makes sense to me. Whereas TNG, man, they succeeded. They had over 150 episodes, they had four movies. They did it, right? Like we don't need to see uh Geordi and Troy and Riker and Picard and Worf and Data. Well, Data's dead, but you know what I mean? Like or he was yeah. dead. Um altogether again on a Federation ship or not. We just don't need to see that. It's not necessary. No. There's, there's. I mean, I'm sure you could make a story that would make that worthwhile, but I really don't care to see that. And so to me, Star Trek Picard was kind of like their attempt to uh, carve a way forward to honor the past of Star Trek while bringing it into the future. And, yeah. you know, if nothing else, I I hope that, you would agree with me that this is a much better, much more resonant, much more emotionally, uh, uh, a, a, a much more ambitious show than, say, Discovery is.
1: Yeah, I, well, I I have no I, I watched season one of Discovery. It was six different shows. And season two, I gave up after the first episode. It just... But I don't know. I guess I really do... But I do... I don't want to see the. I don't want to see Picard at eighty with with Troy and Ryan. All there going on episodic adventures. I also don't want to see. Oh, uh, it's it's a, it's episodic adventures, but with a new cast playing everybody. No, but we're in a new era of Star Trek world. I want to see the weekly episodic show that with with just any crew taking adventures in this universe. Like I just. I guess this is where I'm going to, you know, episodic shows feel like three chords in the truth, but man, I just want to see some space adventures now.
0: Yeah. I mean, I do, I do think that there ultimately is something incredibly satisfying about episodic television. There is something very satisfying about sitting down for 45 minutes and knowing you're going to get a complete story. Um, And, Star Trek Picard, they they you know, this is something the creative staff said more than once, and you know, part of this is a line for the media, and part of it is true, I think, that they really were thinking about this as a 10 hour long movie. Yeah. And I think you can really see that. And I, I think agree that, with it, yeah. you know, some of the some of the criticisms of the characters and they don't get a lot of screen time and stuff, and you can't really connect with them. It's like, well, do you have a lot of trouble connecting with characters in an hour and a half long movie? Like, I mean, because they had so much more screen time than than even they do. Um, and I just think that in a lot of ways, we're still figuring out how to watch shows like this, and they're still trying to figure out how to make them. Frankly, and um, again, going back to the revival aspect of it, you know, uh, my my go-to example of a revival that uh, was a bad idea is always the the X Files revival from a couple years ago because it wasn't good. and and there were moments of it that were good and it was nice to see those two characters again and they embody them well and they have a lot of fun together and everyone was very game to do it but at the end of the day it just it just wasn't a good idea and that's kind of how I feel about a lot of those kind of revivals you know for example like the the, the other one that is very uh, prominent in my mind because I'm uh, you know as you are a huge Gilmore Girls fan it um, oh. was the Gilmore Girls revival, which I, I felt worked very well because there was still some unfinished business there, right? Like Gilmore Girls, uh, Amy Sherman Palladino and Daniel Palladino got fired unceremoniously yeah. after the sixth season and they had something they wanted to say with those characters still. I don't know what else there is to say about the TNG crew, like as, as a crew, like I think individual characters, absolutely. Picard, sure. Troy, sure. Riker, sure. Maybe Geordi. I don't know. Um, there's a famous clip, I don't know if you saw it, of Patrick Stewart on The View inviting Whoopi Goldberg to come back in, in season two of Picard yes. playing Guinan. Um, I think that's interesting. You know, there's a lot of characters that I would like to see come back, but. At but the for end the Geordie
1: episode, the Guy- Guinan episode, the, you know, just as there was the Riker and Troy episode, you know, there's right. going to have to be a Crusher episode, but as somebody who's week after week, No. She's not going to be the doctor on the Serena, maybe she
0: No she's, she, yeah, she, she's not going to be the doctor on, on La Serena, and I mean, maybe that's a good way to, to, to wrap this up because we we have been uh, talking for quite a while, and I, I kind of you know felt like we both knew that we were going to be talking for a while yeah. about this because we're trying to talk about 10, ten episodes of television in, in, in one podcast. but
1: at the same time, I am glad we did not do a weekly thing of this especially given how discovery panned out. But
0: But yeah, I I think that that Crusher for me, like maybe that's where we can end this, is sort of like what unanswered questions do we have at the end of the season and who do we want to see in the second season? Because frankly, like I don't care to see Jordy. Like I really, (laughs) um, what would be the point of that? You know, uh, if anything, it would have made more sense to bring him back in this season because he was the closest of anybody to data. Um, yeah, he he would have something to
1: say about synths.
0: he would. Yeah, exactly. And apparently in the comic book or something, he was in charge on, uh, Mars of building the fleet or something. I I don't know. I don't really care. Um, (laughs) you know, Worf. Oh, well, you know, my feelings about Worf and we've seen Worf a bunch. We, he was in two series. I, I don't care to see Worf again. Um, Crusher is definitely a character that I would, if we come out of Star Trek Picard, once Star Trek Picard is completely done as a series and we don't see Crusher, I think that is going to be disappointing to me. Yes, I agree. But aside from that, and and Guinan, of course, I I think that that would be disappointing too, but it sounds like she's going to come back. Um, Yeah, I don't, you know, I I feel like they, they mostly accomplished what they set out to accomplish with this. I think the emotional resonance of it works for me. Um, I'm a little sad it didn't work for you, but I, I really do I really do think that this is a series this is a season of television that is very, very good and as it's difficult to know week by week where this is going. I think a lot of the criticisms that I saw of it, not, again, not saying you're doing this. You, you definitely are not. You're, you're approaching this in good faith, which is where one of the, the truck about trademarks, um, yeah. is that we always try and give everything we, we watch a fair shake, and we really do try and engage with it on its level, and I think you, you are doing that, um, and I think I'm doing that too, is that I guess we're just going to have to see where this, where this shakes out, because I do think in 10 or 20 years... I can't say what season two and season three are going to be like, but at least the first season of Star Trek Picard to me is, is going to be reevaluated at some point. And a lot of the people that said that it wasn't very good are going to end up really liking it. And that is my prediction. So okay. we can sit down in 2040 and record a podcast and see if your thoughts have changed. If we are both still alive.
1: (laughs) God, I was going to say that we don't know if we're going to be able to sit down in 2040.
0: We may not be able to. (laughs)